0: welcome to the unnamed adventures podcast on today's episode we'll bring you along our side as we tour mammoth cave national park mammoth cave national park preserves the cave system and part of the green river valley and hilly countryside of south central kentucky this is the world's largest known cave system with more than 400 miles explored is what's natural? What's human impacted in this cave? So I usually say the easiest way to think about it is that the floor and the cave dirt and all that stuff you see on the lower level down here on the floor, that's been tampered with, right? We're standing on about a two and a half year old tourist pathway. Here. <coughs> Underneath that was the old, much, much older dirt trail. Um, the, there was a lot of human activity in this part of the cave, obviously, and a lot of cave dirt got moved around. Actually, the floor in this room used to be a little higher, and they took that dirt and they <laughs> shut it up there, and so the floor in that room got a, or got a, they used to be a little lower. So they got, it actually got higher up there. The walls and the ceiling—that's all natural. We're talking about ancient underground rivers making their way through layers of limestone as we uh, as time goes as we go through geologic time, but. Um, What I'd like to talk about on this tour is the human experience in Mammoth Cave, especially as it pertains to generations. So we're talking about ancestors, you know, probably ancient cave explorers, uh, the the woodland archaic period, kind of what we talk about really, really early Native American cultures. Those folks were coming into the cave as far back as 5,000 years ago. We're gonna talk about them in a minute. And then as the European settlers from the East Coast who had been fighting in the Revolutionary War ended up in the Kentucky Territory, they were settling down in land grants that the new United States government had given them for homesteads. And so the homesteaders were coming in the cave as well. Uh, They were discovering that the cave dirt had nitrates in it that were valuable for gunpowder. And so if they were using their rifles for hunting or whatever else, they would be coming into a cave like this, a big, open, dry cave to get that dirt. Right about here behind us, I'm sure you notice, maybe they see big wooden boxes on the floor or big piles of cave dirt or ruins of timbers and things like that. These are left over from a saltpeter mining operation in the War of 1812. So once they realized there was a lot of nitrate in the, in the dirt of Mammoth Cave, there was a contractor through the federal government that came in here with a whole mining crew, probably about a hundred people working down here. We've been totally different, like foggy in here with smoke everywhere and dust in the air and men's voices calling back and forth and the clanging of tools, lanterns swinging. They worked 12-hour ships down here. They would come into the cave so early that the sun hadn't come up yet. They would go out of the cave at the end of the day so late that the sun had already gone down. Trying to get, They pulled like 400,000 pounds of saltpeter. Um, they were helping the United States defend itself in an embargo on the East Coast during the War of 1812. Probably about 70 of the 100 people who worked in here, more or less, were uh, doing that work for uh, the independence of a nation that did not afford them independence themselves because they were young African-American men who were enslaved. And their story is here in this room, in that memory, because did anybody see anything uh, that looks like it belongs on Mars on the way in here? tall poles, things like a barrow. Yes, those are actually uh, weather stations. And so the weather stations <laughs> remind us that these timbers from the War of 1812 are preserved by oh, one. Thank you. Yeah, so you can watch for those. We're going to see a couple more as we move through. They preserve, the, the cave has a very specific temperature and a very specific humidity for the most part uh, as you move through. And if there's ever any fluctuation in those temperatures and humidities, it helps us know how the artifacts are gonna get preserved or not be preserved over time. So we wanna be able to keep these stories here in Mammoth Cave to be able to tell folks so that we can kind of learn a little bit more about who we are uh, as an American people, as a world citizens. Uh, well, we're gonna move a little bit fo- farther forward here in a minute, before we do, I'm gonna leave you with this visual here on this wall. Those early, early explorers in the cave, the um, The ancient woodland Native Americans, they were working at the, they were mining in the cave as well. And right about as far up as a human arm can reach, as an adult can reach, there's these little peck marks on the wall. So you want to be thinking about what somebody might have wanted to be doing to be scraping at the wall like that, about as high up as they could go. We'll hopefully get to talk about that a little bit at the next stop. Um, those ancient woodland Native Americans came back, we think, almost at least six miles deep into the cave, probably about twelve miles total. They wouldn't have been using a lantern like this, they probably would have had a stick from the Green River. It's called Cane Reed. They would trim those and carry bundles of them into the cave with them on fire, as the one stick would burn down. They'd use the next one to light from that, and then they'd be able to go a little farther into the cave. We know this because the miners from the salt peter operation, those nitrate miners, they found thousands of those cane raid torches hmm. all over the city. Bunch and bunches of piles of these hand-woven sandals that slippers that people would wear back in those ancient times. Um, bowls that were made out of like gourds that were cultivated on the surface. To be used as containers down here in the cave. Mussel shells, different kinds of shells and and animals that live in the (coughs) green River today, we find their mussel shells as far back as six miles into the cave. And so they would have been using all these different tools, materials, to explore down here, but also to remove a specific kind of mineral from the wall. So you can see there's some areas where the, the wall is kind of darkened and black, and then some areas where it's more like a color that's gray. And that's because it's all going to be considered limestone, but in some places we had a mineral called gypsum that came out of those pores of the rock and kind of formed in a crust. But over time, with all those torches, and later, the lanterns, the smoke, got absorbed up into those minerals. And so the places where there was a lot of gypsum on the wall, that's going to be what's real dark in this room today. The places where the woodland Native Americans were removing gypsum from the wall, it's all bare and right up here you can see behind you there. So these artifacts that the miners were finding in the cave dirt started to get people really excited. They started, people started to think that those signs of how people had explored caves before, modern times, they were worth preserving and they were worth coming to see. So the word got out and before we knew it, there was someone who purchased the cave. He had a lot of money, bought the cave. He came on a really early cave tour with the farmer who owned the entrance. And then he said, thanks for the tour, I'd like to buy a cave. Uh, he built a giant hotel up on the surface, he brought in a bunch of people to work it, and then he started running a bunch of cave tours through the cave, probably just a little bit around 200 years ago. You can actually say that Mammoth Cave has had 200 straight years of, of cave, cave tours through it, even though it's only been a national park since 1941, because it's been privately owned for so long before that. But where we're going to go next, we're actually going to get to see what it might have been like Exploring off the beaten path and be able to extend that tour route because in the 1830s, that's what happened. There were some folks who came in who got more chances to explore, and before we knew it, they were leading cave tour groups through the cave with a lantern kind of like this. And if your tour guide ever stumbled and the light went out, you were kind of responsible for getting yourself back up to the surface. <laughs> Mr. Bishop was brought to Mammoth Cave in 1838. Did anybody see the year 1838 on the walls? Yeah. Yes. That's because it's right around the time that people started writing their names on the walls. There are people who wrote about that during that time, sort of the way that people sometimes write about selfies today. Oh, it's just the cave full of names of a bunch of nobodies. But it's mostly because it's, it's a human thing to want to leave your mark and tell your story that you were here. So these are well-to-do visitors coming from all over the world for these mammoth cave of Kentucky tours. They would stay for maybe a week. Their tour guide, a lot of the time, was this young man, 17 years old, Stephen L. Bishop. Now he was an African-American man in 1838, so what do you think his situation was? He was here against his will as an enslaved person, whether he was one of those people who got down into the cave and felt, oh, this is comfortable or he was one of those people who got down into the cave and thought, not for me, right? Down here every day, given tours through the cave. We know very little about Stephen Bishop's life. We know that uh, he was working at the cave up until 1856, uh, 1857 or so, right around 1856 he uh, gained his freedom and then 1857 he passed away, right in his thirties there. We know that during the time when he was here, he discovered upwards of 10 miles of cave Uh, and extended the map of Mammoth Cave drastically. He drew the map by hand from memory. They were able to inscribe his name on the bottom of the map and publish it for the next 40 years, and people used that as the standard Mammoth Cave map for that time. Uh, You can actually see it up up in the visitor center. So Stephen Bishop, his story is one of those things. That we hold on to here at Mammoth Cave because it's a story that doesn't get told very often. This kind of uh, experience of someone who starts out who starts out as an enslaved person and then is able once slavery kind of ends, he, his his time with slavery ends in 1856. The Civil War won't happen for a little while after that. Um, his legacy remains. In fact, you're actually able to go and visit his final resting place if you're interested in seeing the grave of Mr. Bishop. He is actually buried in the Old Guides Cemetery. There are a lot of cemeteries in the Cave National Park. This used to be a community above on the surface. And uh, one of the cemeteries, which is really easily accessible near the hotel, is where St. Bishop is buried today. And so the one thing I want you to think about as we move forward through the cave is that the, uh, the, the work that Stephen Bishop did do in Mammoth Cave kind of laid the groundwork for future cave exploration. Um, people who came after him, people who started to realize, looking at the Bishop map, that Mammoth Cave was really long, longer than anybody ever thought. That just being able to go crawling through side passageways, he discovered that bottomless pit. He looked straight down. He discovered the fish with no eyes that lived down in the underground rivers down there. Um, this got people thinking about the future, and as we moved forward into the 20th century, people just kept finding more, more and more keys. To support our journey, or buy us a beer while we're traveling, you can do so now. Go to our website at www.unnamedadventures.com and scroll down to the button that says, Support Our Journey. Or if you just want to give us a shout out you can do so on all social media platforms.